Let's simplify it a whole bunch, right? When you're doing isometrics, you're also training your cardiovascular system, right? That's something that's totally 100% overlooked, right? And when you're doing eight minutes, like, so you take that grip strength sort of protocol that was sort of founded, really kind of created by Dr. Ronald Wiley. And so if you're looking at eight minutes of isometrics and it's just grip strength, well, there's not going to be a huge cardiovascular demand. If you do eight minutes of a wall sit, which, um, you know, they're now starting to explore, well, the cardiovascular demand is significantly different. If you do a plank, right? Now, here's the interesting thing. If you were doing a grip strength exercise, like, you know, just squeeze a barbell, right, for two, two minutes, then you did a wall squat for two minutes, then you did a plank for two minutes, and then you did it like, I don't know, a push-up hold for two minutes. There's eight minutes of isometrics that will challenge most people. Right, cardiovascularly. Why? Because the cardiovascular system just responds to the demands placed on the muscles. That's it. That's all it is. It's not over, sorry, it's really complicated, but it's not overly complex. It's a very, very simple system. You got a heart, which is a pump, and you got all these tubes, which could be your arteries, atrials, it could be your venous return side or your veins. Right. And we forget about all that. And we forget that, well, those arteries or the veins, all they do is really house blood. What's up, my friend? And welcome back to another episode of the Legendary Life Podcast. I'm your host, celebrity trainer and high performance health coach, Ted Rice. This is a podcast for men and women who are looking to boost their energy and upgrade their health. So get ready to learn proven health, fitness and mindset strategies to unlock your full potential. And I have such an important interview for you today. It's with my friend, Brad Thorpe, the person I consider to be the foremost expert on isometric training. And we're going to be going into injuries. So why do we keep getting injured? Exercise is supposed to be good for us. And so we go to the gym. But for many of us, we end up having a neck issue, a shoulder issue, a low back issue, a a knee issue. And these issues, these injuries, if they're allowed to turn into chronic injuries, wow, they become such an obstacle into getting into shape and really living your best life. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience here. I have several herniated discs in my neck. I have one herniated disc in my low back. I've got chrondomalacia, which is the degeneration of the cartilage behind the kneecap in my left knee. I probably have some meniscus wearing down as well in both knees. I've got a shoulder issue that's probably a torn labrum or something like that that I need to get checked out. And it's just, it's these things that stop me from doing what I want to do in life. And here's the thing. We know that sports are going to come with some inherent risk. If you're going to go rock climbing, if you're going to go skiing, if you're going to do martial arts, like I love doing martial arts, those things come with inherent risk. But the thing is, exercise shouldn't. But many people get injured with exercise or they've gotten injured in like a car accident or some other type of accident. And then they go back in the gym and they try to get back in shape and they can't because their injury injury flares up or maybe they're able to go through it, but they're not able to get into great shape because every time they push hard, which is necessary to change your body and to get into top shape, 
your injury flares up and it holds you back. And then you got to take time off and then you get depressed. There's nothing worse than feeling on top of the world when you're going to the gym, you've got a good workout habit going, you're feeling amazing, and then you have to stop because of an injury. It's like being on top of the world and then all of a sudden you're at the absolute bottom. And Brad's gonna go into why that happens and how we can break that cycle and learn how to keep our joints healthy while getting in great shape at the same time. And before we get to the interview, I want to tell you I have an amazing masterclass that I've done, a free masterclass that goes into some of what we're going to be talking about today. Things that are going to help you live longer, things that are going to help you live better because it's not just about living longer, right? You can take medications and do that. You can just get medical care and do that. And many of us end up that way. We live long lives into our late 70s or 80s or even 90s, but our health is terrible. So we don't get old and die. We get old and we live. And if you'd like to live in the best way possible and know how to stay in shape and keep your body on top and at peak performance, you're going to want to check this masterclass out. And you can find that out at legendarylifepodcast.com slash free. All right. On to today's episode with Brad Thorpe. Brad Thorpe, welcome back to the Legendary Light Podcast, my friend. Dude, it's been such a pleasure being on here before, and I'm super excited. Cannot wait to get this started today. Yeah, me too. And we've got a lot to talk about. And if you're listening in right now, and um, I've already mentioned the other two episodes that Brad's been on the show, so you can go back and listen to those, but I feel like we're going to really hit it off we're going to hit it out of the park today, Brad, because you and I, were, we've been growing in our own directions. We're on different levels right now. And um, if people want to find out more about you, go listen to those other episodes that I mentioned in the intro to this podcast. But today, Brad, I would love to start with that conversation that we almost launched into about people being too crazy. And we all, we all want to live better. We all want to live longer. We all want to be stronger, but paradoxically, that that anxiety of our impending doom causes us to do the opposite of what's good for longevity. So what do you have to say about that? Well, you know, as we briefly spoke, you know, it's, uh, I have this ongoing running joke with my wife that I'm going to create this, like, you know, my biography when I, you know, eventually, uh, you know, get older and have more free time to write a book, um, which is called the man who stopped the world, right? And it's really ironic in the sense that we, as exercise professionals, or really as humans, we're trying to avoid the, the ultimate demise, right? Our death. So the problem is we're accelerating to, towards it. If you look at the way we're exercising now, it's all about high speed, high risk, high fun, which fun's important. We got to add that what we do, but we don't have to do it at the cost of our joint health, our heart health, our bone health. And really, I mean, at the end of the day, if you suffer a significant injury, even your muscular health, because you just can't do it anymore because the pain is so overwhelming. So what, you know, I propose, we just do it smarter, right? Train better for the activities you like to do, such as exercise. Exercise is an activity. It is in the category of fun. Because it's not always safe and it's not always healthy. So if I can put that in the category of exercise is in the fun category, because some guys like lifting 500-pound deadlifts. That's mm -hmm. awesome for them. 
but they don't like hurting themselves. Yep. You know, you go to the martial arts community. They love potentially tapping out and possibly even injuring somebody because they're a little crazy, some of these guys. However, they don't like being hurt themselves either, right? Yoga, hell, yoga is awesome for so many things. However, you know, a couple of years ago, it was ranked the number one leading cause of injury in North America. So what are we doing wrong? How do we sort of miss the boat on this? Because exercise, in my opinion, is the cure to many of today's leading health crises, such as obesity, hypertension, osteoarthritis, heart disease, and you know many different types of cancer, exercise has been shown to help prevent. So why are we fucking it up so bad then? Like all of these stats are getting worse, not better. More people are exercising and people are more obese. More people have heart disease. More people have hypertension. More people have osteoporosis and osteoarthritis. So let's explore what the problem is. The problem, in my opinion, is the rate and speed at which people are exercising. The rate or the their lack of knowledge on what they're doing. I mean, I mean, people still promote you have to train the large muscles, like the small muscles weren't important. Right. Now, you know, you got you. You know, you're entirely compound muscle uh, compound yeah. exercises. Dude, it's all fucking connected. So it's all important. That's like saying, oh, well, let's just get rid of your heart. Wow, that was only one muscle. You know, you still got 690 or 650 some odd other muscles. You, you, all of them play a role. And if you're only like, let's say that, you know, the powerlifting communities, uh, let's see, they train the occasional accessory muscle and do bench press, squats, and deadlifts. Wow, that's not a recipe for disaster, right? And they're all at max levels. Right. What about some of those muscles that, you know, the small rotator muscles of your hip, right? Those deep external hip rotators. Well, damn, they're involved in all of those exercises, but yet they may not ever train them. Right now on the flip side, well, let's jump over here. And you got a big portion of the exercise community going, oh, damn, it's all about mobility now. So now these guys who like for the last 10 years were saying, hey, passive stretching is shit and it's bad for you. They're all lying on the ground you know, doing a passive pec stretch because they rotated their torso and they think that's something new versus going up against the wall and pulling, doing the traditional pec stretch. It's like, oh my God, are you guys actually looking at the shit you guys are doing? Pay attention, people. These people are just packaging and selling you a whole bunch of different shit that may be the root cause of your injury, not today, not tomorrow, but five years down the road. Because if you keep stretching ligaments, well, I can guarantee you the root definition of a grade one ligament sprain is slight stretching of the ligament. If you stretch it further, now it's a grade two ligament. So if you're chronically stretching and worrying about increased mobility at the sacrifice of joint stability and the integrity of the joint structures, you may not know the names of, you're putting right. that significant risk, right? You're like your shoulder joint, right? Five ligaments. Hmm. Okay, cool. Very few personal trainers out there could name any of them. It would be tough to get me to name them right now myself. Exactly. And it's not a, a what do you call it? A um, anatomy class, so we won't get into it. But go study that shit, right? It, yeah. It's like you look at some of that stuff and if you stretch a tendon and tendons, they're not very stretchy, right? They have some level of elastin, but they're mostly collagen. So they're more steel-like. But they can stretch. And the problem is if you stretch a tendon and the muscle goes to shorten a little bit, 
Well, it's got to pick up the slack of the tendon in order to generate force or generate and transmit force, right, to that bone to create movement. So it, it, it's kind of interesting. And I'm not saying don't move. That is absolutely 100% not what I'm saying. Movement is essential to life. The problem is there's this word and this other type of movement that the whole exercise community has forgotten about, right? We focus so much on dynamic movement, we forgot about isometric movement, right? The ability to be strong and stable, the ability to control and resist deformation stress, like, you know, American football is pretty popular, right? Concussions, people don't like them so much. They injure a lot of people. They set people up for a really crappy life. So... Maybe there's a way that we can sort of help people strengthen their necks isometrically. So when you get impacted, the deformation stress of your neck is less. And that's less than there's most likely your skull or your brain within your skull is as you sort of accelerate and your head goes that way, your brain goes that way. And there's that impact there. And then there's usually a secondary impact on the opposing side when you sort of come back. So if we can make this neck stronger, and there's 36 muscles before you get into your 10 hyoid muscles. So if all of those fire better, if all of them can stabilize your neck better, you're in a better place, right? That's a big, long diatribe, obviously. I'm just sort of saying, let's just open our eyes and explore this. Let's learn how to generate muscle tension without motion um, at multiple angles, right? It's not just, um, well, you know, think most people know what isometrics are. Well, well, I, I, I wanted to jump in there because I wanted, uh, I, I love how you're starting off strong like this and I'm sure you've gotten people's attention, but I do want to dive into this a, a bit more. So people understand not just that you're criticizing the way 99.9% of people approach exercise in their life with, Oh, well, Oh, did you see that? that snatch, that clean and jerk? Did you see a squat? Did you see her lunge form? Did you, did you see her sprint? And um, people don't understand that you're already working your muscles isometrically. Whenever you're doing a push-up, your abdominals, your core muscles, your trunk muscles are holding your position solid so that you don't lose it as you come up and down. When you're doing your deadlift, and if you've ever tried deadlifting a lot of weight and your back starts rounding, that's because you don't have the isometric strength to keep it in that neutral spine position while you lift it off the ground. So, um, and this is something I learned from you, Brad, we're all already doing isometric exercise, just we're unconscious about it. And many of us don't do it very well. So how about this? Before we even dive into this more, because I don't want people to think, oh, this guy's crazy. Maybe he's on to something, but I don't know. Where'd you find this guy, Brad? You know, in case they haven't or, uh, heard the other episodes. So a lot of very big, wealthy organizations are seeking you out and are seeking out knowledge and training about isometrics. Um, some of them you've signed non-disclosure agreements with, so we can't name them. Perhaps you can name a couple. You can do a little name dropping. And then after that, I want to hear from you what these people are saying, why they're coming to you to learn isometrics, Brad. Yeah. So the biggest one, biggest client, and you know, I'm a solopreneur. So this story is just, you know, I'll, I'll skirt the, the actual name of the, the branch of the You military. can't drop it? 
can't drop the branch name, but I can say that the U.S. military is my client, right? There so, you go. Yeah, which is, which is pretty remarkable because I was sitting there just checking my emails one day, and we're going back a year ago, March, and I get this email from this major in this branch, and I'm looking at it and just going, this is bullshit. This is absolutely bullshit. Like, I grew up in a town of 5,000 people, right? I'm a single solopreneur running this, you know, ISOFIT company. And just to let people know, like we're in six countries now, just under 80 locations. So, and this is since 2015. And I've done this kind of all myself with support from my European distributor, Arno Farak, who's a great guy, all this sort of stuff. And some really unbelievable support systems, such as my wife and stuff like that. And the cool thing is, so I'm looking at this and I get this message from the military and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You want to, you know, you want my machine? You want, obviously they start with, uh, you know, how much and all that sort of stuff. So I call the guy and I, I'm thinking I'm calling a buddy of mine because this is like, no way they, they're contacting me. And this just came through my, my website. And so call the guy up and he's like, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> and he's like, yes, this is the U.S. military. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, cool. So how can I help you out? They're like, well, we've noticed over the last several years that our recruits, are get, a lot of them are getting injured. And we've been searching for an isometric-based apparatus to help strengthen and like, so basically help our recruits get stronger and more importantly, help reduce the risk of injury while they're doing like their, their uh, what do you call it? Their, their training when they go into the military, uh, boot camps. Yeah. So as they're doing their boot camps, they want to sort of pre prevent these injuries with these, these, you know, new recruits. And it's kind of like, oh, that's genius. It's like, yeah, totally. We can help with that. Because, you know, one thing we forget about when we look at motion, it's kind of like just loosen all the bolts on your car. Like if your bolts are loose and I tell you to go drive, you know, and nobody likes car analogies with humans because we're adaptive and all that really cool stuff. But Americans and people understand cars. They don't understand their body at all. So let's stay with the realm of the car. If I loosen all the bolts in your car and I ask you to go drive, you know the outcome. It's going to rattle. It's going to shake. The performance is going to go down. Possibly there's going to be some stress points that lead to injury. Or in this case, if you're still talking about your car, just broken down stuff, right? All we have to actually do is not complicate if you want to perform better, just tighten your bolts. That's it. And tomorrow when you get up to go drive your car again, just tighten your bolts again. Really simple. Beyond simple. I love it. Tighten your bolts. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Like, and that's what isometrics do, right? They do it almost instantaneously. It's not like one of these things you got to do it for weeks. You will notice a difference in two or three sessions or days. So I notice right after the exercises sometimes that, yeah. oh, my knee pain feels better, my low back pain, because um, you're one of the people who helped me through that herniated disc that I got. And I'm using your isometric training system and some other things I learned from you to, well, not just help my back, but also my knee, my neck, my shoulder, all the, all the parts that, are, that need tightening, in other words, that are too loose and don't have enough stability. The joints uh, don't have enough stability. Exactly. And it, it's like, and also what it's also helping is your functional performance for all the other stuff you love to do, right? And that could be anything. We can go to the bathroom, 
to, you know, going to do jujitsu and karate and taekwondo and all those martial arts that you love, right? Because it, it just comes back to the foundation of every movement is an isometric, right? Take a photograph of anybody moving. I mean, it's a simple trick. You can break down every single joint range they have. You can assume certain muscles are going to be working based on joint positions. And then you just go, oh, okay, well, just take another picture of another frame. And that's important. And if you look at 360 pictures, well, and you turn around, I mean, it's really cool on some of these cameras now with these 360 views. Well, you can see everything when you start slowing it all down. Like if I were to run by you and you're just sitting there and go, oh, what happened with Brad? And you go, I don't know, he just ran by me. Well, that didn't give you very much information, right? We're in an age of data, but the problem is the data we're looking at is so incomplete. It's actually leading us down a path of screwing shit up, right? Because it's, and that's not to say 10 years down the road, we won't be in the right spot. But right now, it's like people are worried about the wrong stuff. Like, it's like, oh, look at your joint movements or look how much force you push on. Like, I get asked all the time, why don't you add a force sensor to, like ISOFIT? I'm like, that's going to tell you nothing. And they go, no, it'll tell you how much you're pushing. I'm like, but from where? And they right. go, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, I can measure gross output. So what? It tells me nothing about what's going on in your body. Like, unless there's a muscle... Like I, unless EMGs, they, they don't even go deep enough to, to actually go to this, uh, the deep muscles. They measure the, the electrical current of the superficial muscles. And it's like, oh, well, you can't measure the psoas? Well, the psoas is pretty important for a lot of stuff. It's like, you know, so you look at some of this research out there. It's like, it's always quadriceps. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, yeah, like, uh, vastus lateralis, I think, has been um, studied to death. I mean, we know more about that muscle than any muscle in the body just due to the fact that it's uh, crazy superficial and it's easily accessible and you can do an isometric leg extension for very little cost. But anyways, um, so tangent back. So one of my other clients I started recently working with, she's a retired Cirque du Soleil athlete. So her first name's Erin. And so she's started, like we created this program and we've discussed it a little bit called the 30 and 30, which is 30 isometrics in 30 minutes. And the reason I did that, because people think isometrics is boring as shit. Right. right. And yeah. they really do. And, you know, you listen to that. And it's like, OK, well, cool. How do we make a program that is arguably the most grueling program ever developed? Right. For those people who are crazy, like twisted, like the CrossFit community love watching CrossFit. It's like, you know, sometimes it's like watching NASCAR. You're just waiting for something to go wrong. But I love human performance. Right. And you take these athletes and that's truly what they are. They are athletes. This has nothing to do with like, hey, I'm doing CrossFit for health. It's I'm doing CrossFit for performance. And it's incredible. So it's like, oh, how do I get the CrossFit community interested? It's like, okay, let's put 30 isometrics together in 30 minutes, right? So it's 45 second maximum contractions with a 15 second transition time. So I start taking this girl, young lady, Erin, and she's retired from Cirque du Soleil like within six months type of thing. So she's still in incredible shape. She was an acrobatic, like a um, trapeze artist and a contortionist. So wow. you're not, yeah, so you're not going to find, so she's crazy strong and crazy flexible. Like this woman can do a handstand and bring her feet to the ground behind her. Like it's insane. And so she comes to me. So I worked with her for two hours of time, right? So four half hour classes. 
And she walks in on Wednesday night and she goes, Brad, I want to tell you something. And of course, it's like, oh, fuck criticism. What now? Like, I get enough shit in my day, all usually. She's like, I just want to thank you. I'm like, oh, mm. this is a positive <laughs> conversation. I'm going to have fun with this one. And she's like, I just want to let you know that I've lost two and a half pounds. I'm like, oh, that's good. She's like, I don't have two and a half pounds to lose. I haven't changed my diet. I haven't done anything different. All I've done is add this class. I was like, that's amazing. She's like, yeah, and I can see all my abs now. I'm like, oh, even better in two hours. Then she goes, but last week, the most chin-ups I could do was 10. I'm like, damn, that's pretty impressive. She's like, yeah, but problem is this week I did 14. Mm. I haven't done a single chin-up since last week. Why do you think that is? I'm like, well, A, we've enhanced the neuromuscular system. We've improved joint stability. You're two and a half pounds less. And you're more, you're more stable, right? And stability, I mean, people have that catchphrase, stability equals mobility. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like, it's the best phrase on the planet. The problem is we don't know how to create stability. We always move to create stability. And it's like you can't create stability by moving. It's an oxymoron, right? It's kind of like if I'm holding both of my arms up here, Ted, and it's like, okay, what arm is stable, right? And you go, well, your left arm looks stable, Brad, it's not moving, right? And my right arm's stable. It's like, okay, cool. Now, which one's dynamic exercise? Right. 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 So moving is, this is something I learned from you as well, is moving is inherently unstable. It has to be. And Right, it has to be because the the way the joint is articulating it the the contact surfaces of the joints change and the force going through that joint changes. It's just constant change going on. And that's right, the definition of unstable. It's constantly changing instead of holding still, maintaining a, a specific position. And I think this is really important, especially for my listeners who are interested in longevity. They're interested in the things like, okay, grip strength is correlated with a longer life and it's a better predictor of early death than even blood pressure in which I want to get into isometrics and blood pressure again. And so is leg strength. And so is aerobic fitness, cardiorespiratory fitness, um, as they use uh, the term they use in the literature. So when you hear those things, you're like, oh, well, I'm going to do heavy squats for my legs. And it's specifically leg strength, right? Grip strength, leg strength. It's not about being having super big muscles. It's strength, which we know the strength goes down as we age faster than the muscle mass. So we get dynopenia faster than we get sarcopenia, that we, we have this loss in, in strength. And um, I was listening to this researcher, Keith Barr, talk about how, um, are you familiar with Keith Barr by any chance? Unfortunately not, but I will go check it out. So You should, yeah. because he's really interested in connective tissue health now. And okay. he's, he was the guy who, he like helped discover mTOR, which is, you know, the, the mechanism, the protein, the enzyme that triggers muscle growth. And he had a revelation saying, yeah, okay, well, that's cool. It's nice to have big, strong muscles, but what about the connective tissue? Because like you said earlier in this interview, all the four, it, we, we get 
so seduced by the muscles, about working them, the way they look, but we forget that the tendons are what attach muscle to bone. The ligaments are what hold bones together, bone to bone together, and the cartilage too, for that matter, in between cushioning the, the bones. And it's like, well, what about that stuff? Because once that stuff goes, you're in deep trouble trying to maintain that leg strength, trying to maintain your grip strength. And especially, what are you going to do? Go out and run with your chronomalacia or your torn meniscus or your femoral acetabular impingement. You're, you're in big trouble. And I think what you're saying is, hey, listen, you, we can do movement, but we need to be much smarter about it. We need to really focus on joint health. And most people, myself included, and you too, Brad, from your, what I know about your personal story, is that we, we chase fitness, we chase strength, we chase whatever those goals are, but we always get injured oh, on yeah. the way. Oh, <laughs> we always have to take time out. And then it gets to this point where, oh, I can't do that exercise anymore. It hurts. It hurts my shoulder. It hurts my back. It hurts my knee. Oh, I can't do that workout anymore. It hurts. And it just gets, it starts building up uh, over time. The, the, the joint pain, the inflammation, the, the degeneration of the connective tissue. And so what do you, I want to give people something practical here. Um, what do you have to say about what, what I just said? What's, pop, what's coming into your mind? It really just comes back to let's just be real simple and respectful of all the structures because I don't expect people to go out and all of a sudden take an anatomy course um, and get their PhD in anatomy because they want to go exercise, right? But they should understand that there are high risks associated with movement. And if you can make it safer, right? And historically, what people have always said about isometrics it's the fastest. They're dangerous, right? Well, it depends on the hypertension side. Yes. But for a muscle perspective, they historically used to say that it was the fastest and safest way to develop muscular strength. Mm. Okay. But then they had that stupid little caveat at the end. Oh, but it's only good for a specific joint angle plus or minus right. 15 degrees. And it's like, right. Okay. Fastest, safest. Stay there. Okay, so if it's the fastest way to get stronger and it's the safest way to get stronger, just stay there. Now, you may have to perform multiple like isometrics throughout a range, similar to like, I'm going to push it like, say, 90 degrees in a bench press. I might have to go to 135 and I might have to go to, you know, 45. And then that would sort of replicate a decline, flat, and incline isometric for a chest press. But I'm not going to be beating the hell out of my shoulder because if I'm going from like, you know, straight out to like fully locked or like, you know, bottom position to a locked out position, what was the range of that shoulder joint? And did I appropriately load that shoulder joint throughout the range versus, you know, you get under a Smith machine, you turn the handles upside down, right? And you push into the bar and, you know, obviously when you go lower it, just remember to uh, uh, un like flip the handles the other way or, you know, on a bench press push into the, like set up the rack pins and push into a top, but make sure you have a bottom one, right? So that way it doesn't come crashing down on you. So that way, what you can do is push in against an immovable object. Now, if the Smith machine scenario is totally different than the bench press scenario, and the reason the Smith machine hook is different is because when I'm pushing on it, 
I don't really have the mass anymore falling down on me in the sense that if I had a, like a heavy weight and I'm pushing it up against the pin, it's going to turn it from a concentric to an isometric to now a heavy eccentric as I'm lowering, which increases risk. Um, so when I'm pushing against an immovable object, it's now got that force matching technology, which is a playoff Newton's third law of motion for every action. There's an equal and opposite reaction. So if I'm pushing with hundred pounds and I start getting tired, but the bar is not going to fall on me, right? It doesn't have that load pulling me down towards the ground, like the ground. I can now generate 90 pounds and 80 pounds and 70 pounds and 60 pounds of force. So there's going to be this drop off of my effort because I'm fatigued, but the perceived exertion now goes up, right? So I'm now lifting at a maximal level. I'm now changing the brain chemistry by pushing and not giving up. I'm training myself to be in a very, very uncomfortable environment. So that's amazing for athletes, right? When you can start changing their mindset and going, oh, well, that was uncomfortable. Well, I just stopped versus no, I want you to do a three minute isometric. It's Ooh. awful. That is awful. But, um, you know, to jump back to your point about where isometrics was considered contraindicated or high risk, that was the medical community saying isometrics is high risk for blood pressure or individuals with a, like heart issues, high blood pressure. And a lot of their initial stuff was in order to have a true isometric, you also had to hold your breath. Oh, right? yeah, that's it, not good. No, that's awful. And that no, thank you. You know, it doesn't matter what you do, whether it's dynamic exercise, isometric exercise. If you're holding your breath for a period of time, it's just going to go bad, right? When you start exerting force, it goes through the roof. So what they found was when you actually do it like an isometric and breathe. So let's call that a pseudo isometric because there is motion at your rib cage. There is slight, like call it micro movements, right? There's going to be some micro movements within the structure. Absolutely. But you may not see actual joint motion because it's so shallow or rest like um, small. Um, so historically, they would say that hyper like isometrics really, really, really bad for hypertension. Well, what they're kind of finding out, it goes back to 1969, and we won't go into it too much because uh, we talked about this at more length in um, the other sort of podcast. There's this guy named Dr. Ronald Wiley in 1969 that was commissioned by the U.S. Air Force to increase the uh, resiliency of fighter pilots so they didn't black out under G-force. So what they found with, um, and in order to qualify to be a fighter pilot, you had to actually be pre-hypertensive, right? They wanted individuals. Yeah. They, right, they so that, right. Yeah, fire, makes sense. You didn't black out, right? So you had greater levels of pressure. And so what they found after about a month of testing these fighter pilots, I'm like, what can we do to make their blood pressure stay higher? Like, i.e. squeeze the joystick or the, the, the cockpit. Um, what do you call that thing? The joystick. Um, the, the joystick. That's the, yeah, that's yeah. Joystick. I'm having a, <laughs> we'll go with that. Whatever, yeah. whatever that thing is called. Yeah, in the, the, so you can turn the plane around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, brain fart on that one. And so what they found was after about a month, a lot of these guys, their blood pressure was now starting to normalize, which wasn't the best thing for their study. And so on a side note, then Dr. Ronald Wiley sort of said, holy crap, look how many people in the world have heart disease. Look how many people have hypertension. And then he went down this, call it rabbit hole of discovery. And in my opinion, probably or should be one of the most acclaimed research scientists ever. And nobody's ever heard of him because there's currently a billion people 
currently with hypertension or high blood pressure in the world. And they br eventually brought out this or created a product called the Zona. So it's mm -hmm. ZNA.com is their website. And it's about, it's a grip strength dynamometer, really. And it measures your force output, to keep you at a specific level. So you can do like eight minutes of isometrics a day. And some of the results that they're seeing are unbelievable. Now, the scientific community as of late, well, they don't necessarily like that isometrics are doing really good for blood pressure. Well, sorry, I shouldn't say the scientific community, the pharma companies who are now big pharma, big pharma, who are now funding, I'm going to assume these studies through the American Heart Association and stuff like this. And the American Heart Association came out in 2014 with a, a, a beautiful little study. And they basically said that isometrics were superior to cardiovascular training and resistance training for lowering blood pressure in a hypertensive population, which is awesome. You just shared that the other day on Facebook, right? Yeah, I did. And now subsequently, they've now started to test isometrics versus cardio training, like actually like this versus that. The problem is, like in the study, and it was uh, the Journal of Cardiovascular Health or something like that. You know, I'll send you a link so you can put it in the bottom of the, this thing because I'm not doing it any justice. But what they did was they compared eight minutes of isometrics a day to 150 minutes. So you get 50, what's my math on that? 56 versus 150 minutes. And they go, oh, wow. Well, the numbers are similar. But the cardiovascular side is slightly better because it does X, Y, and Z slightly better. It's like a grip strength or grip strength versus full body walking. You did a third of this, and it yielded almost the exact same as a hundred and fifty minutes, and that's five times. Like that's that's a lot of minutes. Right? Absolutely. And you look at that, and you go in today's society. Why are you even recommending? A, like, hey, you need to exercise one hundred and fifty minutes. Find the time. <laughs> As a, hey, why don't you go over there and do 20, like eight minutes a day? Like you're a hypertensive dude. Better yet, why don't you do 20 minutes of that a day? You're still under the 150 minutes. Like you're still at 140. Or maybe do full body isometrics, like a wall squat. Because what they're finding is a wall squat is a very effective way to actually lower your blood pressure as well. And mm. better than the cardiovascular side over here because it takes less time. And more importantly, what's going to make you stronger, doing a wall squat or walking on a treadmill? <laughs> let, let me ask you something about this, Brad, because I have a few questions about this. And I also want to make sure people are understanding what you're saying here. So this study, and there's several studies that you shared recently. The one that I remember the clearest is the one that was looking into occlusion training. So blood flow, BFR for all the bros out there where you tie off your arms or your legs at the base of your joint and then do exercise and it blocks the venous return. So the, the blood, the arteries are deeper. They can get the blood into the muscle, but the veins aren't able to get the blood back to your heart. So it pools in your arms and legs, depending on what you know, part of your body you're working and that does great things, but they were able to figure out, oh, well, isometric training kind of does something similar. And you're also talking about the blood pressure lowering effects of isometric exercise where they compared 150 minutes of 
aerobic exercise versus 56 minutes of isometric exercise. Now, someone listening to that, now I think there there's a few things that aerobic exercise does, and I want to dive into this a little bit more. So, and so we can tease out the mechanisms and, and see like, okay, well, should I be doing both? Is one superior? And if I have time, obviously the 56 minutes of isometrics, then nothing can beat that for, for the time compared to the amount of time spent doing aerobics. And then you have to do strength training on top of it. So what people say about aerobics is that it's good for your brain. It's the only known thing, known activity where it causes neurogenesis in your brain. So it creates new neurons and there's a big connection, at least a correlation, I guess, between high levels of aerobic fitness and low levels of, or or lower chance of getting Alzheimer's in elite endurance athletes outlive basically everyone else, every other athlete and just moderately physically active people. And one of the things that they say about aerobic exercise is that it's the venous return into the left ventricle that causes the stretching out of the heart. Just like if for you, for those of you listening, when you're doing a squat and you slowly lower yourself into the squat, you're putting load through your muscles, but you're also stretching your muscles at the same time, right? So you're, you're stretching the muscles or you're lowering a bench press lowering it to your chest, you're stretching the muscles, but you're keeping the load on it. And that's kind of happening in your heart. So that left ventricle, it stretches out as the venous return brings the blood back into that ventricle, it starts stretching out. And that causes this positive adaptation where your heart gets better at pumping blood throughout your system. Now with that, that's the way I understand it, Brad. I know you've got a really deeper understanding of what's going on. Can you talk to us about what we understand about aerobic exercise and how it improves our vascular system and and what isometrics are doing? And then I want to get into some really practical stuff of, uh, you know, what people should be doing based on what we're talking about here. Yeah. So a lot of it, I mean, if you look at the, let's simplify it a whole bunch, right? When you're doing isometrics, you're also training your cardiovascular system. Right. right. That's something that's totally 100% overlooked. Right. And when you're doing eight minutes, like, so you take that grip strength sort of protocol that was sort of founded, really kind of created by Dr. Ronald Wiley. And so if you're looking at eight minutes of isometrics and it's just grip strength, well, there's not going to be a huge cardiovascular demand. If you do eight minutes of a wall sit, which, um, you know, they're now starting to explore, well, the cardiovascular demand is significantly different. If you do a plank, right? Now, here's the interesting thing. If you were doing a grip strength exercise, like, you know, just squeeze a barbell, right, for two two minutes. Then you did a wall squat for two minutes. Then you did a plank for two minutes. And then you did it like, I don't know, a push-up hold for two minutes. There's eight minutes of isometrics that will challenge most people, <laughs> right? right? Cardiovascularly. Why? Because the cardiovascular system just responds to the demands placed on the muscles. That's it. That's all it is. It's not over, sorry, it's really complicated, but it's not overly complex. It's a very, very simple system. You got a heart, which is a pump, and you got all these tubes, 
which could be your arteries, atrials. It could be your venous return side or your veins, right? And we forget about all that. And we forget that, well, those arteries or the veins, all they do is really house blood, right? It's not complicated. And then we got to look at, okay, if your heart is pumping, well, that's going to be circular, like working with the atrial side. Okay, so that's going to work in the ejection factor. That's your blood pressure. That's your heart rate. They all measure these variables, which are important, right? The vitals, you know, as a lot of people out there saying, the vitals are vital. And they are. They're really, really important, right? But the atrial side really only houses 35% of your blood volume. It's not that much relative to the venous side, which houses 65% of your blood volume. And when you're looking at how do we make the venous side more efficient at returning blood flow, we need to talk about the activation rate of muscle, right? And we briefly sort of, or I briefly mocked and joked about how people only think, let's work the big muscles. Well, the small muscles are vital in returning blood flow back to the heart as well, right? Now, the cool thing about isometrics, it increases the neural activity of the muscles that are involved in holding the position better than dynamic exercise. And the reason for that is, well, you're not really, when you're doing dynamic exercise, you're really in not a position for very long at all. You're blown by the position. It's like this, this, this sequence of muscles is working. Now this sequence of muscles is working. This sequence of muscles is working. And this sequence of muscles. And the reason I use sequence, because there's more than just one, right? But you're passing it over based off where you are in space. As opposed to, I want to neurologically get all these muscles working and get them tight, get them strong, get them fired up. And it's like, okay, now relax. So there's this huge sort of, I shouldn't say huge, there's a slight occlusion to blood flow when you do an isometric. And then when you release, it's like this surge. You know, the irony is you're kind of in, um, you know, Thailand right now. So I don't mean to be disrespectful for this, but it's kind of like a tsunami right? You occlude the blood, it goes away. And then when you let go, it's like it just crashes in, right? So it, it, with that sort of um, stretching of that left ventricle, we can achieve that all with isometrics as well, right? It's just safer. Now, there are benefits to dynamic exercise. There's no question about that. The problem, because there, there, there also is a lot of risk associated with dynamic exercise. Like, you know, take somebody who may be obese. Well, they probably you know, uh, this is a, um, an assumption. So there's a chance I'm going to shoot myself in the foot on this. Most obese people don't like exercise. So I'm going to tell this person who's got some significant weight to lose, right? Significant load to lift and possibly some heart-based issues because they're usually somehow related obesity and hypertension and heart disease. They're kind of in the same ballpark. Some, not everybody, but a lot of people. So I had to tell this person to go gyrate down a treadmill for five kilometers because bad idea. Yeah. Hey dude, you hate exercise. I need you to go spend a half an hour walking on a treadmill three days a week or five days a week. And you go, dude, I hate exercise. It bothers my back. It bothers my hip. You know, you know how many steps you can take in five kilometers? Let's say you have a one meter stride length. Well, that means you can take 2,500 steps per side, Mm -hmm. right? That's a lot. That's a lot for a new dude, right? If someone said, hey, you're going to do 5,000 reps. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a lot of movement of that joint, which movement is good for the joint. But once you get to a certain point, 
especially when muscles fatigue and, and the form gets a little sloppy and they're yeah. not doing what they should be doing. And then the joints start taking over because the muscles are fatigued. Right. Yeah. Like we got to explore this from a more global perspective. Yeah. You can get some good heart rate statistics. You can lower your blood pressure a little bit with cardiovascular training. It's not that effective to be honest, according to the research. But what we're doing is we're putting these people who are at risk, like the at risk population, we're telling them to do some pretty dumb stuff, right? Hey, Ted, just met you. You got to lose a hundred pounds. You got some heart rate issues. Hey, let's start with, you know, we'll be conservative here. Let's start with 500 pushups. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, you know, the outcome, they're going to be injured. They're not going to adhere to your program. And myself as an exercise professional, failed that individual by prescribing a something that was totally inappropriate and bordering on negligent and absolutely stupid because what I did was I took somebody who was asking for help and I failed them versus, hey, you got some blood pressure issues. You got some obesity issues. You got some I hate exercise issues. Let's start with not much. Let's start with maybe four times 30 second wall squats. That's it for today. And they're going to go, well, gee, that wasn't very much. It's like, yeah, but it's a start. You know, that's two minutes of cardiovascular training. You go, well, how did that help my cardiovascular system? Well, if eight minutes is pretty good for your blood pressure, how is two minutes? It's not as good, but it's on the stage of building tissue tolerance. Your tendons are going to adapt. Your ligaments are going to adapt. Your muscles are going to adapt, you know, as opposed to saying, hey, you know, new exercise dude with grotesque health issues, go do the most asinine thing possible from a rep count. Like it, it, it's just bordering on negligent, as I said. And it's my goal is better health. That dude, he's been walking his whole life. Hasn't helped. Right. Hasn't fucking helped. Hasn't <laughs> helped at all. Right. If anything, it's led to his pain because he was ill prepared to walk. He was ill-prepared, honestly, also to sit there and sort of collapse into a structure because he didn't have this isometric strength, you know, and while you're in Thailand, I bet you've done some meditation over there, right? And Absolutely. I, I bring my blood pressure down because I'm going to look at meditation. I'm going to say, I need to be calm. I need to stay still. I need to, you know, sit with my legs crossed in an uncomfortable position with my palms up for 20 minutes. And I'm going to try to let my mind go free. News slash people, that's not dynamic exercise, right? The thing that provides us with serenity is stillness, not extreme speed, velocity, crashing into something. That's fun. Going really fast in your car is really, really fun until you hit a wall. And it's like, oh, maybe I should have been smarter. That's what we're doing with exercise. And I got this thing, and I tell this to everybody who's starting exercise. It's like, if we got a goal to touch a wall, we don't have to tie our hands behind our back and run head first, right? That's what the exercise community, in my opinion, is doing with new clients. They're making them feel bad to sell personal training. Hey, you suck. I can help you get better. Oh, okay. Well, how about I just help you from the beginning and not injure you on day one? So it takes you three days to recover. Right. And, uh, oh, who's GSP's um, trainer? The guy from uh, TriStar. Oh, I love that guy. He, uh, he talks all about not going so hard all the time. Oh, and yeah. Um, why am I forgetting? I forget the guy's name. 
But yeah, brilliant discussion on Joe Rogan's podcast about, yeah, yeah he, he even talked about how in Thailand, the Muay Thai fighters, like it's intimidating to go to a gym with all these pro fighters, but then you go in there and they're all playing with each other. They play with you. It's not like, yeah, welcome to the pro fighter gym. So try not to get knocked out. You know, it's not like that at yeah. all. They're playing with each other. And these guys fight so often, right, that they have to do that. So they understand they can't go balls to the wall all the time. They can't go full, run full speed into the wall with their hands tied behind their back. Yeah. They pace themselves and they have a good time. There's, it's actually one of the most fun environments I've ever trained in, even though these guys are straight up killers. You would not want to, uh, okay. you know, get angry that, with them. It's that chronic repetition. And it's like, let's yeah. not go full force at everything. Like, I mean, you got guys posting weekly PRs on their deadlifts and stuff. And it's like, wow, that's crazy. I've never seen somebody post their 50 rep PR. Right. Yeah. It's like, and I'm not saying do 50 reps, but it's like, why is it always one RM like maximum exertion type stuff? It's like long-term joint degeneration. I mean, you look at Ronnie Coleman and honestly, the dude is a legend in bodybuilding, eight time Olympic or Mr. Olympia champion, arguably one of the strongest bodybuilders ever. Okay. What's he on? 14 surgeries now, multiple hip replacements and all this other stuff. And the dude, you know, you look at him and you go, a decade ago, you were a legend. Now, ah, oh, I feel sorry for the man. And, you know, I don't know him personally or anything like that, but you probably could have done some things different that led to different outcomes. You know, you know, might not have been famous, but you might not have been in a wheelchair, you know, consistently and learning how to walk again. And, you know, all these surgeries associated with like this crazy, crazy, crazy high risk exercise that obviously his body didn't last for, you know? Yeah. Brad, uh, uh, such an important point because too many of us, we think about this short term, I want to get in shape now. And it's just so easy to think that way as a human being. We're so focused on the now. We don't think long term because it's just not, doesn't come naturally. Like, hmm, how's my body going to feel in 10 years? What about 20 years? What about five years? It just doesn't come naturally to us. That's why we're you know, uh, society, we're all in debt and we're all doing all this crazy stuff, living for the moment. I think some of that's important too. You never know how long you're going to be around. But at the same time, the stupidity that we shouldn't be acting like our life isn't going to end tomorrow because, <laughs> because we keep waking up. And uh, Brad, I, I, I'm glad you brought up Ronnie Coleman. Probably a lot of people listening to this may not get that reference, but like Brad mentioned, he's a, a professional bodybuilder that has been around for decades and just known for his brutal training regimens, known for winning the Mr. Olympia, the, the Olympics of bodybuilding, if you want to call it that, because it's just posing on a stage. But uh, there, there's actually a Netflix documentary about him. I, I didn't want to watch it because it's like, I already know what the story is going to be. This guy who, you know, I've watched enough about Ronnie Coleman to know, but um, yeah, it's a really sad situation. I don't know if he feels like it's worth it or not. But what I want to finish off with here, what I'd love for you to finish off with, because I, I know we're coming up on time and you have a hard stop time and I want to be respectful of the listeners as well, is you, we've talked a lot about the theory of isometrics, why it's important. We've talked about how dynamic exercise is 
not all what it's cracked up to be, especially as we age. Uh, again, something I learned from Keith Barr is that we are, are I forget it, the name of it. You probably know this a lot better than I do, but we stopped producing dystrophin in our muscles or we produce too much of it. I forgot what he was saying, but basically our connective tissue gets more brittle as we age. And he was saying, avoid fast movements as you get older, go for slower movements or, you know, like you're promoting here, isometrics. So you mentioned how we don't have to do running or swimming or biking for aerobic exercise. We could do a two minute waltz, a two minute plank, a two minute, you know, we, we could come up with a number of different exercise, isometric exercise options and do a circuit with them and end up doing quite a bit of aerobic work because our heart is working all the time as our muscles are working. And if we're using the right intensity, we'll keep it exactly where it's good for improving our cardiovascular system. For someone listening right now and saying, okay, well, should I stop doing all my other exercises? I don't know what to do instead. Should I stop stretching? I don't know what to do instead. Should I do isometrics once a week? Should I drop everything and just do isometrics? But I don't even know where to start with that unless you've hired me because I, I use a lot of isometric training with my coaching clients. Shout out to everyone out there who's listening. You know who you are. And um, what can you give someone right now who they're not obese and hate exercise because they probably don't listen to this show? They're in the group of 30, 40, 50 and up of people who have been exercising. Maybe they love it. Maybe they just go through the motions sometimes when they don't feel like it, but they all have aches and pains. They all want to last longer. What are a few you know, bullet points that you can give them to start applying what you're talking about into their workout routines and, and lives, really. If you just, if you simplify it down to the point, if, if you're about to go li- like do a weight exercise, right? Let's say it's a lat pull down, bottom out the pin, like unless of course you can lift the whole stack, right? But a lot of people can't, right? Bottom out the pin and just sort of pull into the exercise. Right, because the lat machine at the gym is there for your lats and a whole bunch of other stuff that help with scapular depression. So if you're just pull and hold, right? Um, ideally, you put it, select a weight that you can't lift versus just pulling down and holding, because pulling it down and holding are like neurologically they're different. It doesn't provide the same level of benefit. Let's go with, you know, you can bottom out the pin. You can stand up and pull to a specific angle. You know, so you can change those angles. So you just want to preface, like preset the nervous system before you lift, right? And then, you know, if you're doing a bench press or a chest press, I guess they call Wait it. Wait a minute. How long would you do that, uh, uh, that isometric pull down to, uh, to preset? To preset, like you're looking like 10 to 15 seconds, right? It doesn't take much time to enhance that neuromuscular system. Now, if you're looking at it from an A, I want to increase my isometric capacity. You want to be at around 40 seconds. I don't want to pull for like 45 seconds going. I want to put like 30% to 50% effort, right? I want to actually try on that lap pull down, right? For that period of time. If I want to add a cardiovascular component, now you're up to 90 seconds to two minutes. Now, the cool thing is when you're including blood flow to muscular tissue for 90 seconds to two minutes, you're also providing a hypoxic training environment. 
And what training a hypoxic training environment, it's like, you know, those people that go to altitude uh, because they mm -hmm. want less oxygen uh, to train better. Well, you can do that with isometrics. It's just, you just got to hold it for like two minutes, right? So there's one of the other hidden benefits to enhance cardiovascular function is you're training at altitude when you're doing isometrics. You don't get that with dynamic exercise unless you're training at altitude. Right. So, you know, so for this, you know, you're, you're from Miami, right? So you're like a, you know, a sea level community member. Like you don't yeah, have, absolutely, to, yeah. you don't have to go to the mountains and see snow because that shit will scare you. So what you have to do is basically just do an isometric and it'll provide that same effect or sorry, similar effect as being in a hypoxic training environment. So yes, yeah, so you're looking at, you can do it from a 15 seconds where you're looking at enhance or 10 to 15 seconds, enhancing that neuromuscular connection, 20 to sort of 30 seconds will actually enhance that, the stiffness of your tendon. So they find out, um, well, it's really kind of, I guess 20 to 45 seconds is really that tendon window is what a lot of the research will say. Um, and the importance of a stiff tendon, it transmits force better. And we forget that the tendon, when it sort of amalgamates with the bone, it forms the outermost surface of your bone, and that's called your periosteum. And that periosteum, when you're transmitting that force into bone, it enhances bone growth, right? And when you can enhance bone growth, you're less likely to have osteoporosis or osteopenia. Or with seniors, you're less likely to fracture your hip because your bones are stronger. Um, now, one thing we have to not forget when we age, we shrink. That means things are getting slack. Tissues are slack, tendons are slack, muscles become slack. So it's so vital, you know, to go back to the tighten the bolts to do these isometrics because we need to tighten our bolts before we move, right? Movement is essential, as I said earlier. But the problem is if you watch somebody move throughout life, they don't get much better unless they lift weight. The benefit of lifting weight is, and you touched upon it earlier, it's not usually the movement side of lifting weight. It's the, I'm going to hold this position and rotate around this axis. And that is that isometric component that we don't ever look at. Like a bicep curl, one joint moving and the rest is stable. If you swing the rest of it, you say that's shit. It's bad form. Bench press, not very many joints moving there either, right? You know, you squirm around, oh, bad form. So that means you're holding the rest of the body isometrically. Squat, deadlift, same comment, right? You got to be, you got to truly look at what's happening here. Because we're, um, unfortunately, we've either A, been lied to, we've not explored it enough, we look at it, well, just wrong, and go, hey, look, he's moving. Well, let's count the non-moving components of that movement. Yeah, the tires on your car spin. Awesome. But you really want the windshield not to move, uh, unless it's really hot out, you know, then you want to lower it, obviously. But you look at some of that stuff when you're looking at structure. You don't want it to move so much. Bones, you don't want them. You don't want them to be too bendy. Um, ligaments, you don't want them to be too stretchy. Um, tendons, you don't want them to be too stretchy either. Now, if you stretch an artery, it narrows. So if I'm stretching, high blood pressure, you got it right. <laughs> now the cool thing is, like if I stretch my the muscles that support my glenohumeral joint, and I have this limb that hangs off the side of my body that has a mass, and I have these tubes in there called arteries and veins and other ones and I stretch a tube or stretching like creates laxity laxity creates displacement displacement creates narrowing of arteries inactivity per 
does the same thing, right? The muscles lose their ability to contract properly, right? Now there's the, that's like, well, that's why I do dynamic exercise because I hope that, you know, as I go through a range that I actually target some tissue. It's like, yeah, absolutely. You might hit it, but why just not be more effective? Why not just go to the position and generate tension? It's not that hard, you know, all you need is a wall, right? If you're standing beside a wall and you, you know, press your arm into the wall, it'll work your deltoid. You didn't have to have a weight in your hand, right? It's not that complicated. And it's like, well, the wall is available to everybody. You know, pretty much you're walking down the street. It's like, hey, there's a brick wall. Go do an isometric. Um, so it's the most cost effective way to exercise as well, right? Like, and it's, it's funny. Like everyone always thinks I'm out trying to sell my machine and shit like that. It's like, you know, buy my machine. Don't buy my machine. Just do isometrics. My goal is to create health, change lives, give back. I didn't do this to like manufacture and distribute and sell exercise products. It's not why I got into this industry. I got into this industry to help people, right? I'm just fortunate enough that the shit I see. So we talked about blood pressure, a little caveat. So there's this guy, let's call him Gary. Last name's Warren. He's a buddy of mine. Um, just bought an Isofit a couple months ago. Gary's an advocate for marathons. He's a runner. He's lost over 100 pounds himself, but he had hypertension. Didn't matter how much cardio he did. Didn't matter that he lost 100 pounds. He still had hypertension. So within one month of using Isofit, right, because he's an Isofit owner in Oklahoma, his diastolic number, and we're talking 30 minutes a day. Like, so yeah, so basically on a week, 210 minutes. So he did it a whole month. He didn't skip a day. His diastolic blood pressure dropped 17 points. 17. Incredible. Yeah. It's a huge deal. If you look in the literature, what <laughs> some of the non-drug interventions do, it's like five points or three points, or it's not very impressive. So 17 is huge. It's insane. And, you, and when you start to explore, why may that have happened, right? Because for myself, also same numbers, like in a month, about I think I lost 16 points on my diastolic. It went from 76 to 61, right? And I'm like lifetime history, hypertensive. Like 19 years old, my blood pressure is 150 over 100. Wanted to medicate me, and they told me to exercise. I'm like, dude, I'm exercising like <laughs> like this is bullshit. Um, but with Gary, so what it is, if you think about it, what's the fastest way and the most effective way to activate your muscles? The research will tell you isometrics. How does venous return work? It's basically required a muscle pump. So if I have more muscles working at an optimal level, and I have better compression, let's say that glenohumeral joint again, if it's under a slight stretch, the artery is narrowed. If I have better muscles compressing, that artery is now going to dilate or the, the, the diameter is going to increase. It's going to get wider. If I have a tissue on a stretch, the material is also under a stretch, right? It's thinner. So what they're now seeing is with isometrics, not only does it increase the diameter of the artery in the vein. It also increases the thickness of the artery or vein wall. And they're kind of going, well, why is that? Well, you took it off stretch. It's not complicated. When you look at it through a mechanical viewpoint, and everyone right now is just bashing the shit out of mechanics, and they're sort of, it's usually associated with the pain community. And they're going, well, it's not like there's no pain signal, there's no this, there's no pain nerve. It's like, yeah, but if there's pressure or stretching on that nerve or there's poor blood supply to an area, there's going to be inflammation. Or if something's not where it is supposed to be in space, 
because I stretched the shit out of it. Maybe I need to start exploring it. Maybe we need to look at how people are compacted or need to compact as we age because we shrink. That means nothing's where it's supposed to. That means everything becomes slack and lacks. And the research, they go, oh, well, we didn't look at those things. We just looked at these couple things. It's like, yeah, because your research is so fucking incomplete. Like, so, you know, you didn't measure that stuff. So how do you even comment on it? Because if you don't move well, and now they're saying just exercise, and you'll be miraculously healed from pain, and you'll be out. It's like, shut up. Look at exercise. It is the number one leading cause of people visiting the hospital in the United States of America. When you're looking at a physically active population, exercise, be it a dynamic exercise, sends more people to hospital than football. Put that in perspective. These are people, football, you understand there's risk. Right. People that go to exercise go to get healthier. We're doing something wrong. And the solution is slowing movement down to a point of, can I control not moving first, own that shit, and now, once you own it, let's explore something different, i.e., let's move from that position to another position. But what I'd recommend, do you own that position as well? And then this position, and this position, and then can you circulate between those? That's all it is. That's all movement is anyways. It's just I'm on this joint angle to this joint angle to this joint angle. And Ted, I can almost guarantee you're going to get this question right. Is 49 degrees the same as 47 degrees? No. No, exactly. Which one's more important? <laughs> Good question. Yeah, they're all, they're all kind of fucking important in this. It's like... Let's own zero through 90 and then learn how to, because, you know, supposedly learning motor control is important, even though if I did an isometric here and here and here and here and here and here and here, you're going to actually learn how to control that stuff neurologically. And then you just string it together with practice. Jump back to your Brazilian jiu-jitsu's and killers in Thailand. They're practicing movements. That's all they're doing. They're not trying to kill each other. They're going through the motions. And then when they need to hit go, damn, that's awesome. Now, the cool thing about Brazilian jiu-jitsu, most of that sport is isometric when you're looking at yeah. submissions. Like, Absolutely. If you don't actually, have like, mo the majority of the entire sport when you're actually locked up with someone is. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Most sport is isometric as well. Right. It's just you got to just take a photograph and look at it. Right. Right. And when you look at it through those eyes, you can help anybody improve performance quite quickly. Right. Because like, oh, just take a photograph in football. They videotaped it and slowed it down frame by frame by frame by frame. OK, well, just start your training frame by frame by frame by frame and then hit fast forward when you're when it's game time or practice time. Like if we take repetitions like uh, you know slight tangent and i know i got a jet and sort of your listeners baseball pitching they put a pitch count for what right they put a pitch count in to reduce the risk of injury why well you can't throw a baseball 100 times and not hurt your shoulder <laughs> okay right. cool. so how do they go to the gym do they take into consideration running 
What is the rep count on running in your shoulder? What is the rep count and bench press on your shoulder? Look at the number of reps that we put our structure through every week if we do cardio training and weight training. What is the load we're putting through there? What I propose is 30 reps total per workout for your cardiovascular system and your strength and muscular system. Because that's what our 30 and 30 program is doing. The goal is 30 reps, right? At maximum intensity, right? It's not submaximal. I want you to push as hard as you can. I want you to get freakish strong. I want your bones to go under like a certain level of stress so they grow stronger. I want your muscles to get stronger, your tendons to get stronger with almost zero risk. You don't need to do hundreds of reps to get in shape anymore. We've changed the way people approach and participate in exercise by taking isometrics and saying it's not boring rehab shit. It is the fastest and safest way to develop muscle strength that also can spot reduce fat, that can also increase your cardiovascular effect or efficiency, that can also increase your range of motion, that can also increase the density of your bone tissue. Okay, cool. Why don't I want all that stuff? And it but doesn't require complicated, expensive yeah. equipment. Yeah. I love it, man. Hey, I'm sold. And that's why I have you here, Brad. I'm sold. I've been sold. I will say I've had trouble. I mean, it's been years that I've known you. And every year I feel like I get deeper with understanding isometrics and the power of it. And definitely with every injury I've had, I've learned to appreciate the power and the the pain reducing injury healing power of uh, uh of what isometrics can do when applied appropriately it just it's really tricky man you're you remind me of my phd organic chemistry professor who just got the organic chemistry inside and out and understood it so well but i just man it was hard for me to understand and i i know a lot of people are starting to catch on to your work a lot of big people in the fitness industry it's just, it's really hard to break out of the dogma and to see things the way you see them. But man, I'm, I mean, I'm completely sold. And I know that you've shifted a lot of perspectives on this show. People listening right now are, can't wait to go and try some isometrics and, and hire me to help you too. Just kind of joking, just trying to throw in a bad joke there. But Brad, I, I just wanted to thank you again, man. It's such an eye-opening epiphany creating experience every time that we do this. And that's why, you know, it's, it's been really beneficial for me to hear it over and over and to, I always learn something and think about isometrics different and, and have better ideas on how to apply it. For those people who may be interested in working with you or looking into ISOFIT, where should they go reach out to you? Best place, um, through the website, isofit.com, I-S-O-P-H-I-T.com. I post a lot of stuff to Instagram as well. So that way, if you know they don't want to talk to me, you can go look at pretty pictures and say, hey, I can try that. You know, just if you're going to do some stuff, just my goal is to get the message of isometrics out there so people become healthier. So just make sure like if you go to my stuff and you use it, just hashtag isofit. So that way, you know, to be honest, I can share it as well. Because the majority of people still don't know what it is. They don't, they can't understand that something so simple can be so effective. And they're beating themselves down. And because I also work in the rehab industry, 
I'm tired of having to fix people for doing the same dumb stuff, right? And Einstein, I believe it was, at least on Facebook and social media, you can't resolve, <laughs> you can't resolve a problem you created by using, or what is it? You can't resolve an issue by using the same kind of problem. Or I butchered that. Anyways, my brain's not working well. Yeah, yeah, you can't fix a problem with the same level of thinking that created it, something yeah, like that. Bad. Absolutely. You know, and, and that's what it is. And you look at all these people hurting themselves with dynamic exercise. And, you know, my parting shot, if you're in the therapy world, do your clients a favor. If, let's say, running hurt them, have the courage to have a conversation with that person to say, hey, the problem is your choice of activity. So as opposed to being an individual that helps get that person back to their activity, which leads them back into another injury, which leads them back into that perpetual problem, hey, why don't you do some of these isometric exercises that are going to help make you strong and stable before you do the activity you love, whether it's yoga, whether it's running, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's football, because it comes back to force tolerance and force generation. If I can tolerate more force, I can generate more force. Simple as that. So anyways, we'll leave it at that. Awesome. Ted. Awesome, Brad. I got to go. I got to go, uh, you know, stimulate the minds of future students or actually present students and future personal trainers. <laughs> go to it, man. They need what you're teaching them for sure. I wish if I had known this 10 years or 20 years ago, I'd be in much better shape. I'd be in much less pain. And um, yeah, the world would be a better place for sure. Oh, yeah. And the, the, the financial opportunity for those people out there listening who are new trainers you can either compete against the, you know, 150, uh, I don't know, what's there, 5 million trainers on the world. You can either do the same as 5 million trainers and say, hey, go do those squats, lunges, deadlifts, and all this other shit. Or you can be actually the guy who's different in the gym, who's actually helping all those people get better at squats, lunges, and deadlifts through isometrics. Um, a lot of my clients um, who are isofit owners, from a business perspective, they're killing it because it is something unique and different. And... You know, uh, one of our clients made a quarter million dollars last year off three machines. Nothing to sneeze at. Quarter million dollars for a $36,000 investment. It's not bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And Brad, this is just, and beyond that, I mean, it gets results beyond the novelty. This isn't a bungee class or a trampoline class or something like that. Isometrics is never going away. They've always been there. They're never going away. In fact, I've predicted many times and had people laugh at me, including big time strength or just one big time strength coach. And more and more people are talking about it. Cal Dietz with his triphasic training. So many other people, uh, Christian Thibodeau, who's been on the show a bunch of times, huge proponent of isometrics, Chad Waterbury, strength coach, and now physical therapist from the top place in a top physical therapy school in the country, huge user and believer in isometrics. And so it's just, this is just going to get more and more as we learn how to apply it. But Brad, you're the guy who knows more about this stuff than anyone I've ever heard, seen, read. And I'm so glad we're connected. I'm so glad I reached out to you that day. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Brad. I can't wait to our next conversation. And thanks so much uh, for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, and most importantly, your time. Dude, you're awesome. Thank you for everything you do. And for everyone out there, go live, live a legendary life, my man. It's awesome. 
Thanks, dude.